So I would say that when people want to get into business that they, they need to make sure they're fully committed with their work ethic. They need to have some cash to help finance the, and fund what they're doing. And they, they, they need to know they're going to get knocked down once in a while and they got to get back up and keep, uh, keep growing their business. So fully committed with a good product and some proper funding. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. This is the only podcast in East Idaho to share origin stories of local entrepreneurs, business owners, and influencers. The stories are inspiring and they also help us to get to know our business neighbors better. So thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited for my guest today. This business's products have been a part of our family's holiday celebration and fishing trips and road trips. And I can't get enough of the mini pepperoni sticks. So welcome Mitch Scott of Scotty's Country Smokehouse. Thank you. Glad to have you. And yes, I have been a little addicted, especially to the mini pepperoni sticks, man. I can't get enough of those. That is our number one selling item year round. It's because you guys put some chemical in there that it has me addicted. That's why. <laughs> Keeps you coming back for more. <laughs> yes. Whatever that is, it's working. So Mitch, tell us about Scotty's Country Smokehouse because people may used to know it as Glenwood's Smoked Meats. So is it still the same? Was it a name change? What happened with the name? So we, a few years ago, uh, built a new plant in St. Anthony and uh, we had customers all over the country and one of our customers came in and to visit our facility and they wanted to buy that facility. Okay. Um, I had a, a brother who, a partner of 34 years, and he was thinking he wanted to sell and he wanted to retire. So in the process of selling that property, that plant in St. Anthony, they came back and wanted to use the Glenwood name also. Got it. And then they wanted to more own the Glenwood name but gave us uh, marketing rights to the Glenwood name. So through that process, we decided to start rebranding. The, the, the Glenwood is actually named after my father and his first partner. And so my, our last name being S Scott, my uh, father was nicknamed Scotty. So we decided we would start using the name Scotty's and also still marketing with the Glenwood product same family same ownership same same plant pretty much that yep. it's coming from but it's just yep. a different owner for that particular plant yes okay same yep. recipe and everything yep and worse yes and then we still run the plant here in idaho falls just like always got it okay well thank you for clearing that up because for probably ever i will refer to it as glenwood's and then somebody's like, no, it's Scotty's. And so I'm all, well, what happened? So thank you for clearing that up. Um, okay, so what is the story? You talked about your dad and is that where this started? Tell me a little bit about how that came to be. So 
so Glenwood came from my father's first name is Glenn. He had a partner uh, named Richard Wood. So that's where the Glenwood came from. Very clever. And they had the plant in Roberts, Idaho. And in 1978, um, my dad had bought his partner out and then we moved into this location here in Idaho Falls. And that, uh, so, so what that did was, is we, we started, we got away from like the custom butchering and went into making my father's recipe for so beef So that's jerky. what it was in the beginning, was butchering meat and yep. selling fresh meat. Yep. Okay. And it, so in the beginning, that's what it was. And then during that process, my father had developed a jerky recipe and the and recipes for smoked turkeys and smoked hams and that's where that came from and we my my brother and I wanted to get into that end of the business and getting out and making beef jerky and so you're like let's get away from this fresh meat stuff and let's do the processed meat jerky that kind of stuff yes. plus the like the hams and the turkey, I'm sure you inject them as well as smoke them. Like, yes. yeah, yeah, because yeah, they just the, have the best flavor ever. Yep. Yeah, that flavoring and my dad developed all that processing. And, and when he moved down here in 78, 1978, then we, he was kind of waiting for the, for us to see what we were going to do. And we finally added on to his little plant and became, had our USDA inspection in 1983. And then you could sell it? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so had what was the history of your dad? Was he, had he been in cattle or had he been a butcher? Like, why was he even interested in any of this? So he, he uh, when he first married my mother, they had a little grocery store and they always cut meat in the back of the grocery store. So he always, has always cut meat. Uh-huh. And he owned two grocery stores and then went into the meat processing plant in Roberts. And uh, then it just evolved from that to... Doing his own thing. Yeah. And so this recipe that we all love so much is actually your father's original recipe for the beef jerky, pepperoni, those kind of things. Yes. Well, yay. I'm so <laughs> glad he did that. Like, that, he made that up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he made that up and... We've added to it and added new flavors and, and new things to it, but that original recipe was his. Well, it's been a big hit, and it has done well for you guys. Yes, it has. Yeah. It's, been, it's been fun. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. So he, he waited for the boys to come into the business, and, and then you guys said, let's do this a little bit bigger. So now you have jerky, hams, all that kind of stuff that you're able to sell because they pass USDA. Um, are you selling them just out of this building or what was your plan? So the hams and the smoked turkeys and some of the sausages that we do just out of our retail outlet here, uh, but the beef jerky and the pepperoni sticks, the sausage sticks, um, we sell them all over the, well, all over the United States. We, we're not saturated by any means, but yeah, we, we sell all over. Did you see that vision? Was that something that you were like, that's what we are going to be? It, I, I did. There was a local jerky company in Idle Falls that that uh, was doing quite well with with selling their jerky, and I uh, I always thought I wanted to do that, and so we started doing that as 
man manufacturing the beef jerky and going out and selling it to all of the convenience stores in the area. And so then, were you just literally hitting the pavement, going to these places and saying, here's our product, do you want to sell it? Yes, yes. And I had a, I, ha I joke around, I had a job for a year. That wasn't this. And, uh, yeah. and yes, and then I would take days off from my job and go out and sell jerky until we got it built up enough to where I could quit my day job and go full time selling jerky. I love that story. It resonates with me because when Kevin's father had our automotive repair business, he told us it will not support two families. So Kevin went out and worked for somebody else for like 12 something years before dad retired and we were able to purchase the business and then make it what it was. But, you know, these little family businesses don't, I mean, sometimes they're not going to support the whole family. We got to build that thing in order to bring the family back. That's correct. And, and that's what we did with this business. And my, my older brother and I, um, he liked the manufacturing part of it and I liked the selling part of it. So it worked out really well. And we were partners for 34 years. So is he still in the business? He retired three years ago. Oh, that's when you sold the, yeah. oh, got it. Okay, got it. So it's just you now? Yes. And I, I understand you have some of your children that are now in the business. Yes. So with, with the businesses that we have, we have, I have five of my children working for me. Wow, that's great. How fun. Yeah. And isn't that a, such a great story where before you had to go build the business for you to be able to work in it, and now you're able to bring five of your kids into it. Yeah. That's great. Yes. Yeah, they're good hard workers, and uh, yeah, I don't know what I'd do without them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's really hard sometimes to work with family members. So how do you feel like that dynamic is in in this environment? You know, it, it uh, it's been good. We've really been fortunate, and people are surprised that that we are families that you all. still like each other yeah <laughs> yeah so it but it it it's worked out really well yeah good well you probably will um you know give mitch a call you guys if you have a family business so because he knows how to make it work so that's a great thing that's awesome all right so um when you went out and started selling this, did people, were they receptive? Were they like, yeah, we like the product or was it a little bit of a hard sell? How'd that go? No, they, they weren't that receptive. And, and I remember it well, uh, some rejection, you know, I had a couple breasts, two kinds of jerky and I didn't have like a whole bunch of jerky and I didn't have sausage sticks at that point. I just had jerky, but we, we went out and we all know what jerky is now. When you go into a convenience store or a grocery store, you see large sections of beef jerky. Well, back then it was just a little bit of jerky in, in stores and people were telling me that, I don't know what you're gonna do because I have way too much jerky now. And they, they didn't even have bags of jerky. They just have jerky in a little jar. Oh yeah, I remember those yeah, days, yeah. yeah. And, so anyway, what, what I did was, is I went and bought a van and just went to the store because jerky distributors, I was not, I, I, I was not getting a lot of reception from them. Uh -huh. 
So I went and started my own routes and went store to store uh, for, for several years and built the business up. And uh, that is a, a business because of the jerky business. It's an, another business that we have, a snack food distribution. And I have two boys working in that business. And uh, it's, it's done really well. And is it more than just the jerky then? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's snack foods, uh, salty snacks. It's uh, like trail mixes and uh, beef jerky and sunflower seeds. And so we, was that your brainchild? Like, since we're selling jerky, we might as well add the other things that I would get at a convenience store and be the distributor for these things. Yeah, it was kind of an accident because of the rejection I was getting. We just went and started doing it ourselves. And uh, I had another brother involved in that that helped grow it. And, uh, and we just grew it to where it is today. And it's, uh, it's a pretty awesome another business. What a great <laughs> example of turning, like, I think that's where ingenuity comes from, right? Ingenuity, whatever, it's the scarcity is the mother of invention or whatever they say. You know, when you hit all this adversity, you kind of figure it out. So it sounds like that's what you did. Yes, we did, and it's that that's a good part of our business. How fun. <laughs> that's great. Okay, so I'm curious. I mean, clearly when you come into your retail shop, you get the jerky and the hams, and we get to see all that. But what's in the back? Like, what kind of equipment does it take to process meat? So there's, um, the to start off, you, you slice the meat, and... And then there's a marinating process. We have oh, yeah. uh, we have a we have machines that uh, that tumble the meat so that the marinade gets all around the meat. Uh huh. And then when you take it out of that, it's placed on screens and put in the ovens, which the ovens do the the smoking and the drying all at the same time. And how long does that process usually take? If you have the thicker cut jerky, it can take up to four to four and a half hours, but the, th the thinner cut jerky is about three hours. So that's probably been a little bit of refining and perfecting because I do remember the old days of jerky, which was hard and like you had yes. to suck on it for 20 minutes in order for you to be able to chew it. And jerky has come a long way from since then because it's soft, there are softer types and it's more pleasant, at least in my world, yes. to eat. Yes, you're right. and. Yeah, jerky used to be, yeah, tough and tear jerky, <laughs> and, and now it's uh, it's more tender, and, and uh, people like that seem to like that a little better because yeah. they they eat they eat a lot of it right now. There's a jerky's a good product. Yeah, well, you probably are also you benefit from the whole low carb kind of world with people going for yes, meat. yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, okay, so you are also known for processing wild game. That's right. So the processing of the wild game is uh, what we do in a plant on the same property, but in a separate facility. And that uh, processing of the wild game is, uh, it's uh, less than what it used to be. There's a few more or a few less hunters out there. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a smaller part of our business, but yes, we do we do that. Yeah, I know for our own experience, don't judge my husband in his hunting, but you know, we really are not 
venison eaters. And so anytime he would get a deer, we'd bring it here so he could make it into sausage or, or jerky or make the hamburger mixed with the sausage or something because it would be palatable then for me to be able to eat. I'm yeah. kind of a snot. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the wild game product that we make, the jerky and the pepperonis and the summer sausage or salami that some people call it, it uh, it's great product. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's very good, very good. Yeah, I, it's interesting to see what has happened with the wild game and um, people do, sometimes they just do it themselves and so it's people like us that bring it to you probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people will, will do that and they'll take it off of the bone at their own home and then they bring in the trim of the meat that they would like to make sausage products out of it and that's fine too we like doing that yeah good um and i i also have noticed that you so you don't do catering necessarily but you prepare meat like if we were going to do a big event and we needed to serve multiple people you guys prepare the meat like the smoked meats or whatever here yes talk, talk a little bit about that yeah so we we do our smoked turkey meats for for parties we do um uh, a shredded barbecued pork for for catering of parties. We do roast beef. Um, we do the spiral. Like a sliced roast beef? Yeah. Or, uh -huh. And then we do a spiral cut honey glazed ham like you buy, a lot of people buy them at Christmas time, but now people are buying them more and more year round for, for catering their events. Yeah. We also do whole and half roasted pigs for the luau type parties that's which, so fun yeah that's uh yeah that's a great item and we we do quite a quite a few of those through the summer months once in a while there's people people still party in the winter and we do those but mostly it's a summer summer project now and, that means you've cooked them and everything i just yes. need to go pick this pig up yep uh-huh how fun that's yeah, great yeah good to know um all right so there definitely, um, you talked about another business in town that you guys were seeing have success. The, clearly there's other people that are making jerky and things. So what sets you apart? So there are a lot of uh, jerky companies. When we go to trade shows, there could be up to, you know, 20, 22 or three jerky companies at the trade shows. So you have to have something unique. It's gonna set you apart a little bit. We've always felt like that our uniqueness is a small batch product that's made and the flavorful and fresh and and we we make a we don't inventory a lot of a lot of jerky everything's made to order and it gets out into the market fresher than say like the big companies that they're so big that they have to inventory product and and we we all know how that works so the uniqueness is, uh, I think, is the freshness of it and the flavor profile that we have and uh, the quality of our product. Is that something, though, that holds you back from growing? You know, it, it, uh, it did a little bit in the beginning, but, but now it doesn't. With our facilities and our smokehouses, we're able to produce product uh, quickly. Pretty quick. Uh -huh. yeah. And where do you source your meat from? Most, most all of our meat, we have a couple of processors. There's a new processor over over in the Boise area, and there's uh, one in Draper, Utah. 
Uh-huh. And most all of our meat source comes, comes from, from those them. two plants. Okay. Great. Great. Um, how many how many employees do you have? Right now we're at uh, thirteen. When we when we sold the plant in St. Anthony, we were at at like about forty three employees. Oh, got it. So we've uh, we've shrunk that down. And that's just in the because several of them stayed with the St. Anthony yes. plant. Yeah, mm-hmm. got it. All right, so. Obviously, this has been a family business. It's you left for a year. You wanted to come back. Why? Why did you want to be a business owner? What did you see that being a business owner gave you over your paycheck that you actually got every two weeks and your health insurance and all those other things? Why did you want to be a business owner? Well, when I first got into it, I I wasn't really looking at it as being a business owner. I was just looking at it that I what I wanted to do and I wanted to go out and sell and market jerky and and uh, I I like to visit with people and I like to meet new people and and in this business it uh, it became quite a bit of travel and uh, which which I enjoyed to a certain extent and I always tried to balance that to be home with you know with my wife and kids and try to try to balance it out to where we could keep growing the business but yet not be gone all of the time but right but there's always that perception out there that if you own your own business you have a lot of freedom and that you can, you can <laughs> lots of freedom and lots yeah, of money <laughs> yeah that's what they all think but it, it's not necessarily that way you you uh you're responsible for everything when you own it there's a lot of a little bit more pressure that way and the financing, the liabilities and everything that comes with that. But having weighed both sides, I still think I would rather be self-employed. Yeah, there is something about those of us who are business owners, entrepreneurs, that we don't always make the best employees for other people. (laughs) So it's probably, we better figure it out. I think that's true. I don't know that I could go to work for anybody else. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) it's so true. So how, um, like you already said, five of your kids are in the business. How has your family supported you? You talked about being away, selling. Um, what impact has your family had on you being able to be successful? Well, I think that I, I did have a lot of support. And I know that uh, that like one of my, my oldest son came to work for us when he was... Um, he was in that 18, 19 area of age, but, but he always thought that he wanted to do that too. And he always, he, he loved the travel. He got to traveling and, and, uh, he still travels into the Utah market and into the, uh, Boise market, but they, uh, my boys watched it and I think they liked to like, the life that we had and I think they wanted to be part of that yeah and uh, so they it's all worked out well with with them working into the business and well and it's a legacy like isn't it fun to know that when you're gone this is going to continue going like I just I love that part about our business is we're third generation my son you know looking to be fourth generation 81 going on 82 years of serving East Idaho, I mean, that's that's amazing. Now, obviously, if none of them decided they wanted to do it, then that's the way that it is. But it is fun to be able to have your children 
partake and be a part of growing that legacy. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, we, when we sold part of our business off, you know, you always, you, you lose a part of yourself. And even though, even though it's good and it's worked out well and, and we're still doing the marketing end and the, the producing of the catering items and the hams and the turkeys and the things that we produce here. But, but you're right, I, uh, I would like to keep, keep it going and have my kids keep, keep it going, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and think of these, like, who knows what they're gonna think of, right? You know, I mean, the sky's the limit for what they're gonna do. I That's think it's right. just super exciting. All right, so what recommendations would you have for anyone looking to get into business for themselves? So I thought about that, um, and I went back to when I, when I first started in business with my father. And my father provided um, his background, his knowledge, his work ethic, and, and a little bit of cash. You gotta have cash to, yeah. to have a business. So, yeah. so that part of it, when we were, when I first started going out and selling and marketing, and I wasn't really worried too much about the money part of it because my parents, they, they helped with that. And they had the, they had the dream too. They wanted to, they wanted to see it grow and go. Uh, so I would say when people want to get into business that they, they need to make sure they're fully committed with the work ethic. They need to have some cash to help finance the, and fund what they're doing. And they, they, they need to know they're going to get knocked down once in a while and they got to get back up and keep, uh, keep growing their business. So fully committed with a good product and some proper funding, I think. Yeah, it's really key that you have a good product because you can be the best salesman. And if you don't have a good product, there's not much moving off the shelves. That's so right. you guys got that. You know, I, I listen to you and it sounds like, you know, you've been able to adapt and grow, but I wonder if you've ever had feelings of self-doubt and wonder what the heck you're doing and why'd you choose this? Like, do you ever have those feelings or did you at some point? I, I think I might have in the, in the beginning. I, I've done a few different things like uh, we got into, I, to vending machines, for instance. Um, we did that for a while. Never, never stopped doing what I was doing with the jerky. But in fact, we at one time had a vending machine that vended beef jerky that of we course. made. Of course, yeah. And uh, so, I, so we did that a little, a little bit. You know, I, I, I dabbled a little bit in life insurance. I was licensed to sell life insurance. And, but I looked around a little bit and I kept, I just kept coming back to it and, and I'm glad I did, you know, it's, it's been a, a, a good job and a good business and, and ra able to raise my family well. And so I'm glad I always came back to doing it. Never stopped doing it. Just did a few extra things here and there. Yeah. Did you ever have one of those feelings like that the business wasn't going to make it? Like, were you ever in a situation or has it always just kind of trudged along pretty well? It, it's always, uh, it's always been good. Um, you know, in the early days, you know, we, we, we didn't make that much money, but we didn't spend that much money. And so we, we always 
kept everything in perspective that way. Um, but I think by branching out and, and trying things different made me really appreciate the, the jerky business. And as we mentioned before, it, we went in and we, beat, we started a distribution business, which, which is a great part of our business. And I didn't mention this, but like in 2004, I was at a trade show where there was another uh, person at the trade show that sold carbon dioxide, which is a CO2 product, which is used to uh, put the fizz in your fountain drinks yeah. at all convenience yeah. stores. Yeah. So I came away from that meeting um, thinking my the, the CO2 carbon dioxide customer are most of them are my customers with the beef jerky business. Came home and I, I thought, I can do that. I think I can do that. What, make soda? Well, we do the CO2, the oh, gas that it. goes in the soda. Okay. So if you go into convenience stores and get a fountain drink. There's a tank of the CO2, yeah. And and we do that, and that's we started that in 2004, and we, we cover five states and have eight trucks running around. And so I think by, by branching out and trying things a little bit, we've had these other opportunities. And, and I have uh, a nephew and another son runs that business with us. Isn't that cool? Well, I love that because I think you have to put yourself in the right situation for inspiration and opportunity and then be ready. Right. So you saw this and you're like, we could do this. Let's rock and roll. And now it's part of what you guys do. Yep. Yeah. It is. It's part of what we do. Which makes no sense. It has nothing to do with beef jerky. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. But I love what you said because I will tell you, especially in high school, every time I ate one of those rip and tear, whatever you said, jerkies, I always had to have a Pepsi with it, right? Because those two things totally went together. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yes, yeah, pretty much the same customer base, and and uh, we appreciate all of our customers, and they they buy jerky from us, and they buy the CO two from us. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll be thinking about you when we get a fountain drink too. Yes. Not just our jerky. Yes. All right. Well, what um, what's the future for Scotty's Country Smokehouse? You've done um, CO two, and you have distribution and you threw life insurance in there and, yeah. um, beef jerky. So what else, what's next? Well, we're going to, we're going to keep going with the, the beef jerky. Um, it, it, it grows every year. We're having, you know, double digit growth and it, and that's what we, that's our, our first love, what's comes also with that distribution part and the CO two part. We uh, we can travel around and we can we can see the uh, same customer and and approach them and sell them new jerky products. We can deliver it to them and we can also talk CO two with the same customer. <laughs> right. So, so it's kind of a win 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 for us and we we uh, think that we're just going to keep doing it, keep growing it. The the my my children they just keep thinking they want to grow, grow and grow. And so we're going to. How far is your reach now? Like where, if I was, how far away could I still find your products? You, you can find it. We sell to distributors, you know, in, in, in like Texas and 
and Indiana and the Illinois area were were a lot more saturated in the western part sure. of the U.S. Um, in the the California markets and Oregon and Washington and but um, our distribution base that we do our own is Idaho, Utah, and we do into Nevada, into Colorado, all of Wyoming. Wow. And we run trucks all all over those areas all the You're time. You're a distributor too. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Mitch, is there anything you wanna share with the listeners before I let you go that we didn't cover? You know, I'm just, I, I, I sit back a lot of times in the business and we've been blessed and I'm thankful for what what is always always been a good job for me in raising my family. I uh, I guess all I would like to say is, you know, follow follow your dreams if you have a dream and and you want to do it and just know that it uh, it's going to take a lot of hard work and might take a few years before you make any money at it. But uh, if it's something you want to do, be committed and do it. Don't give up. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're a good inspiration for that. Thanks so much for being on the show today and providing us with the yummiest meats for snacks and meals. Your products have certainly been a staple in our home, and I know many of them. So I hope that is for many years to come because I will never be able to do a smoked turkey ever. So I'll, I will always come to you. Well, thank you. Good to have you. All right, guys, as a reminder, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair with locations in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. If you're looking for automotive repair provided with honesty and integrity, be sure you to bring your vehicle to us and let our family take care of your family. Now stay tuned for the Business Leadership Moment. It's now time for a Business Leadership Moment on East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Business Leadership Moment. This segment is brought to you by RiseCon. RiseCon is an East Idaho business conference held every November. They also have a sister event called RiseX, which is held monthly. It's a great networking and masterminding group. So check it out at risecon.io or risex.io. And don't forget that Rise is spelled with a Z. Um, All right, guys, today I wanted to talk to you about an opportunity I recently had to speak to a women's group and I shared with them one of my favorite quotes um, that has actually really changed my life. And I may have shared this with you guys before, but it's the Marianne Williamson quote. um, And it goes like this. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightening, sorry, nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And there are a lot of reasons that this is my favorite quote. Um, But one of the things that stuck out to me, again, as I prepared to speak to these uh, ladies 
and read this quote over was the last part where it says, as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And as we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And it was fascinating to me about how when we put ourselves out there, when we're accomplishing our goals, when we're hustling, we actually raise other people um, because it's inspiring. And I was reading a book called Believe It. Uh, It's the story of Jamie Kern Lima. She's the founder of It Cosmetics. And she has a chapter in there that's called Believe in Giving What You Need. And it was another kind of uh, affirmation to me around how when we when we put ourselves out there in the world, when we when we really need something, that if we give it, we actually get it back. And that might sound a little counterintuitive because, well, if I need something, I don't have it, so how can I give it? Um, and and what she talks about is, you know, if you are if you're feeling lonely, give community to someone else. If you want a friend in your life, be a friend. If you feel like your voice isn't being heard, ask someone else to share their story with you and then fully listen. If you're not feeling beautiful, see the beauty in others and tell them about it. If you're feeling unseen, let someone else know that you notice them. If you don't have as much material possession or wealth, As you want, share what you can with someone in need. Believe in the power of everything inside of you right now that you have to give. And if you want or need something, give it and then watch what happens. And so I studied that and I thought about the quote that I'd shared. And I just felt like it was also very true and um, very powerful too. And the same for us in business. Um, Oftentimes we you know, don't feel like we're heard in business. And I wonder how well we're doing about seeing our team and seeing our customers and seeing the people who who are surrounding us. And if we're feeling that way, well, then we have an opportunity to give what we need. Um, I'll quote Jamie. She said, the same is true in business as a boss or leader. One of your jobs is to make sure that your team feels seen and heard and safe and like they matter. And you really have to mean it. In addition to higher morale and lower turnover on your team, the added benefit is that since you get what you give, you are then even more strongly and authentically seen and heard and valued as a leader. And I think oftentimes we might feel like, oh, well, you know, we're, we're doing that for our team and we're recognizing we're giving, 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 and we never give anything back. And we've got to look at what our motivations are in those moments. You know, if we're giving in order to expect something from them, um, that's not very genuine. Right. And so we really, uh, it's, it's, it's actually putting love first, right. Love for the human race, Love for the people who are blessed, you know, that are you are blessed to be in their lives and really connecting with them on that human level. Um, and it might just even be sharing a compliment 
about them when you're moved to do so. Um, it's funny because this is something that Kevin and I have had a lot of conversation around because I am a woman, right? And I want him to recognize when I look cute. And he says, you know, like I think about it in my mind, I just don't say it. And I'm like, that, that it, you got to figure that out, honey, because it's like so key to me. I need to hear it. And so, how many times does that happen in our lives where for pride reasons or because maybe we feel like it might embarrass us or whatever the case may be, we don't say something we're thinking? And um, that person might just absolutely need to hear what you're saying. And besides, if you need something, give it and just watch what happens. I love that so much. So I hope this message um, can ring true to, to you today. I am going to do better. I'm going to do better to be thinking about um, how I can lift other people. And as I need something that I need to give it instead of feel sorry for myself. So I uh, appreciate this lesson for myself today. And I hope you guys all enjoyed it as well. Okay, take care and we'll see you back here next time. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair for all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho. Let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.